With nations entering a new period of protectionist tariffs, it is time perhaps to rethink the regulation of global trade. Global trade is the driver of climate pollution and of climate change. In an article in Nature this month, three leading environmentalists have called for carbon charges rather than trade tariffs with President Trump imposing heavy tariffs on goods from China and the European Union, and those countries following suit with retaliatory barriers, they fail to address the real problem of global trade, that countries are simply exporting pollution and emissions through imports. The authors point out that with all good intention of the Paris Climate Accord, it is unlikely that the target will be met. The authors point out that, with all good intention of the Paris Climate Accord, it is unlikely that the target will be met of keeping warming below the critical 2 degrees centigrade above the pre-industrial levels. This would be so even if all countries were to meet their targets set out in their individual action plans. Only by tackling the driver of global warming could it be possible to restrict global warming and that means addressing the nature of global trade. The Paris Agreement has two main flaws. First, the pledges are unbalanced. Countries that do little will benefit from those that do more. With a full-blown trade war, it is increasingly unlikely that this situation could hold for long. Secondly, countries can simply export their pollution, buying carbon-intensive goods elsewhere whilst boasting that they are meeting their emissions targets. The authors argue that now is the perfect time to redraft global trade by bringing together the twin problems of trade and climate change. To do this, they argue for punitive carbon tariffs. Instead of indiscriminate protectionist barriers, the countries should impose a carbon charge on imports. Now, this is not a new idea. What is new is the climate for action. Last year, French President Macron called for such charges and said that they were indispensable. The US House of Representatives passed a bill way back in 2009, but this did not receive approval from the Senate. The authors of the article argue that restricting trade in carbon-intensive goods by what they refer to as smart trade is the only way to achieve climate targets. One of the problems with the financial crisis of 2008-2009 is that it focused attention on the banking system as if this could be separated out from global economics. It fostered the notion that all that was needed was to reform the banks and all would be well. The underlying assumption was and is that global economics didn't and doesn't need fixing. Everything works well but for the financial system. Let's all keep calm and carry on. That was all before Trump came along, of course. What President Trump has done is to throw a big spanner in the works. Now, 
President Trump's President Trump's motives are to protect the United States economy. Whether that's what it can do is another matter. But what it does do is to provide us with an opportunity to reconsider the whole process of global trade. The focus on a bad banking system hid the underlying economic malaise. The economy depended on banks lending and growth was predicated on debt, more and more debt. It still does, nothing much has changed with that. But it drives consumption. This was not simply a problem of the banking system. It was and remains a problem arising from the mythology of economic growth. Politicians have long fostered this mythology of growth. Growth became a mantra. Uh, Growth is good. Good is growth. Let's grow. Growth as has been and is presented as a kind of miraculous cure. After all, with growth you get more employment. With more employment you get less unemployment. With less unemployment you get less welfare. And so on. And therefore people are better off. But it hides a fundamental problem, and that is sustainability. Let's call this the first neoliberal myth, the myth of growth, that you can go on growing without considering the consequences of growth. The second neoliberal myth is that free or unfettered global markets are inherently good. It all sounds plausible. After all, without growth, there would be more, uh, there would not be more jobs. And without more jobs, there would be unemployment and increased poverty. So politicians on both the right and on the left adopt this strategy. With growth, we can increase tax revenue that feeds our public services. Growth lies at the heart of all success. Growth. So much so that we didn't bother to ask what kind of growth it was, and whether some kinds of growth are bad, and how we could achieve good growth if we could define what good growth is. Instead, we went for any kind of growth. If industries collapse, it doesn't really matter as long as there is growth. Old industries die, new industries come along. Growth is good. Good is growth. Let's keep growing. So all political parties go for growth. Growth becomes the political mantra. It becomes a a kind of a fix-all for the problems. Growth becomes not the means to objectives, but the target, the objective itself. Some get very rich on growth, yet growth involves the exploitation of the world's resources and of its people. And how we grow matters. We need to ask whether economic growth is sustainable and on what it is predicated. We need to ask who are the beneficiaries and who are the losers. We need to consider the consequences for the environment, the impact on habitats and on life on Earth. We need to ask what it does to our planet. The greatest drive for man-made climate change has been growth. Increasing output of manufactured goods and an increased food supply to feed our rapidly increasing population. Politicians want cheap, 
food, but it comes at a cost. The system doesn't work if it kills the planet. Losing species matters. Losing habitat matters. GDP growth is directly correlated with greenhouse gas emissions. This has been shown. We need to decouple growth from emissions. But this isn't very easy. It's easier said than done. It it requires political courage. And it requires a fairer approach to trade and growth. Our dependency on global trade is also a major factor in the impact of pollution on the planet and on people's lives. People die as a direct result of global trade. Global trade causes an estimated 20% of premature air pollution deaths. Growth kills. Millions of people die every year from disasters related to exposure to outdoor air pollution. What's causing that air pollution? Industrial growth. That's not good growth. That's bad growth. As a recent paper in Nature said, International trade allows production and consumption activities to be physically separated, with emissions occurring within the region where the goods are produced and related health impacts concentrated within that producing region and nearby downwind regions, all of which might be far from the regions where those goods are ultimately consumed. So we can go on buying our, burying our heads in the sand... Our politicians can go on seeking to maintain the status quo. They will. They fight to save dodgy trade deals, the very trade arrangements that have brought about this sorry state of affairs. This is why we need a new global deal on trade, one that puts environmental protection at the top of the list of objectives. Growth itself should not be an objective. It should only be a means to clearer objectives, fairer objectives, objectives that sustain the viability of life on our planet and not destroy it.